Hello, welcome to Mind and Movement, the podcast, where we discuss mindful movement through dance and through life. Today, I have a conversation with the amazing Sora Yang, somebody who I have looked up to since high school and one of the greatest motivators of why I started dancing. So I'm super blessed and grateful to be having this conversation. We talk a lot about purposeful leadership and focusing on giving yourself permission to step into your purpose. Sora Yang is a choreographer, creative director, teacher, and entrepreneur who was born and raised in the Bay Area and received her bachelor's in business administration from USC. Her dance career has included creating and directing Vessel Dance Company, traveling to 27 countries worldwide and over 30 colleges around the US to teach and perform, providing choreography and movement coaching for K-pop artists, and giving a TEDx talk where she discussed her non-linear path from college to a career in the arts. Through sharing her work online, she has amassed a digital presence which has led to creative partnerships with brands like Adobe and Hyundai. Sora operates her own clothing brand for dancers, Shop Sora, and most recently worked as the associate choreographer for the Broadway-bound Britney Spears musical. In 2020, she developed a self-curated online course called The Artful Balance of Business and Dance, providing in-depth mentorship, creative development, and career guidance for students around the world. Aside from professional work, over the past year alone, she has raised over $17,000 to support nonprofit orgs that provide resources to women of color and other marginalized communities. I have a feeling that this is going to be a podcast that I come back and listen to often, so I hope that you enjoy it as much as I do. Hello, welcome to Mind and Movement, the podcast. Today, we have Sora Yang who is amazing, wonderful, inspiring, and all of those, all of those great adjectives. Um, starting with, how are you feeling currently? Um, I am feeling good. I always get really overwhelmed by this question. Like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And I, and then I, I always spiral into like, how am I doing? Like, am I really doing okay? Is everything all right? Like, actually I'm stressed about this. And like, I don't know if that area of my life is good, but I'm like starting to just listen to how I feel in the present moment right now. I'm good. I woke up, I don't know, 30 minutes ago, I have a cup of coffee and I'm happy to be here. So Yay. I'm good. I'm blessed and grateful. Yes. Okay. That's great. I feel you on that. Cause I'm also, I also mm-hmm. spiral a lot. Okay. And then tell us your story period. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> Where do I start? Well, I'm from the Bay. Mm -hmm. I was born in Oakland, California, and raised all around um, the Bay Area. I started, I grew up actually playing sports. Um, I started playing basketball when I was in fifth grade in elementary school. It was my passion. I was crazy about it. Um, Up until high school, I started dancing as a freshman in high school. I took I signed up for one beginner hip hop class at a studio Mm -hmm. um, and I noticed a shift start to happen where basketball became more stressful and that dance class was like my release from the stress of sports. And so when I noticed that shift happen where like I would, you know, have play a game and then take dance class after um, and say like I had a bad game, dance would be my release and my um kind of escape from the stress of high school and sports and all that stuff so that's when I kind of noticed like a shift from oh I'm just signing up for dance class purely out of fun like Mm -hmm. just curiosity and wanting to have fun to like oh this is actually this feels like a really important outlet for me and it was midway through high school where I had to decide I had I ultimately had to choose because my schedule didn't allow for varsity basketball and competition dance I had to choose Mm -hmm. uh, going into junior year of high school and I just kind of looked at the trajectory of my life Mm -hmm. and what options were available to me Um, it was really difficult because by then basketball had been a passion I had had for years it's like it's what I had known it was such a huge part of me and even my identity and how people knew me um, as like the basketball player I had only been dancing for two years. 
So I had, I came to a crossroads where schedule wise, I had to choose and Mm -hmm. um, between like a very new passion and a very familiar one. And I just thought of my future. I am five feet, zero inches tall. Uh Not to say that you can't go far if you're short, um, but I just felt like I was being tugged towards dance. Uh, Like, I don't know, my soul, my heart just felt more invested in that lane. So I quit, pretty much quit basketball and continued to dance. And you know, moved down to LA Mm -hmm. for business school, actually not for dancing, but to go to college. And the first year I was in LA, I did not take a single dance class off campus because I was so intimidated by LA dancers. Like (laughs) I just thought the scene, you know, watching YouTube and like seeing like people dance in LA, like they're so good. Um, I'm just this girl, you know, girl from like a suburb in the bay area um so i i only dance like on campus on usc's campus but i could not take a dance class off campus because i was that scared and that intimidated Mm -hmm. and then i remember like the first couple classes i took at debbie reynolds because um movement lifestyle wasn't around back then there were like classes that were taught way too fast for my level and during groups, I like, there was like a big industrial fan in one of the studios. Like I, I hid behind one of the fans during groups because I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot pick this up. Yeah. And it was to a really raunchy song. And I like, wasn't comfortable expressing myself like that mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I was so uncomfortable. But anyway, that's my, like, I guess, first half of the journey. Um, I joined an on-campus dance team at USC called C3. And then I saw GRV perform and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to join them. That is my, they're like hard hitting, powerful style really resonated with me. So Mm -hmm. trained, auditioned for them midway through college, made it and pretty much has snowballed from there into the career I have now. So yeah, that's like the backstory of everything. Yeah, that was, there's so many things I want to ask. Um, but the first thing is like, that's really interesting because I interviewed Miko and he also said that like basketball was like his thing and then it like transitioned to dance. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just think that's like really like a nice parallel between you two. Um, but I guess like something that I noticed with you with the way that you carry yourself and the way that you approach dance is in a very purposeful way and I guess like it's a two-part question like one where does this purpose come from and like how did you discover that and then two um relating that to like your leadership because sometimes I hear you know sentiments of like I was put in a leadership position, even though I didn't feel like I was a leader. Like I've heard that. And I don't know if you felt that way, but I feel like from my perspective that it's not like you seem very purposeful with your leadership. Mm-hmm. That was a long question, two questions, but <laughs> let's break that yeah. apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so for the first one in terms of being purpose-driven, I have done so much soul searching through my life. I mean, as we all do, Um, but I've I've always been one to dig into like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. That's been the question that has stopped me at different checkpoints along my journey when I started to feel, I don't know, confused, lost, jaded, um, just not entirely sure of my direction, I would stop and ask, like, what's the point of this? What's the point of choreographing? What's the point of teaching? What's the point of making pieces for class? What's the point of posting dance on Instagram? What's the point of traveling the world? Uh, It's a lot of that. I, I think for me, I can't do things unless they feel purposeful or intentional or aligned with something that I care about. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it just it's like, what's the point? Like, why am I doing this? Like it feels empty or it feels, uh, I don't know, superficial. And that's not fulfilling for me just to do things for the optics of it versus because it aligns with something I really care about. 
So I think that's just the kind of person I am. Like it has to, it has to feel fulfilling. And what feels fulfilling is figuring out the things in life you care about, the contributions you want to make, and then finding the the ways in which you can do that. So when it comes to what my purpose is, um, purpose is such a, (laughs) it's such a, it's such a broad term. Like I'm driven by my purpose. I actually feel like it's shifting. Like what I think my purpose is. I don't think that I have a singular purpose. I don't think I'm like, oh, I was born to do this. And that is my purpose. I think that my purpose right now, and this can change, maybe this will change in a few months. (laughs) I feel like my purpose is to use what I've been given with where I'm at to impact the world in the way that I want to, or to, to like contribute to society in the way that I want to in any given moment. So my purpose could be to be kind to the people that I encounter every day when I go to the grocery store and like add a little sunshine and like brightness to someone, to a stranger, like my purpose can be, um, I don't know if I have like a random task to do, to do it really well, to, to give my all to my purpose can be, if I'm running rehearsal, like be a very impactful teacher that day and make sure that I'm, I don't know, pouring my heart out into like the spaces and with that I'm leading and Mm -hmm. providing like some sort some type of like education or training. So And I think it's also because I have so many different moving parts in my life going on where I don't feel like, oh, my purpose is to like make dance moves or my purpose is to teach dance or my purpose is to do this or my purpose is that. I feel like it's just like, what do I have? What like gifts and skills and opportunities do I have? How can I maximize those things and how can I use those things to like try to contribute to society in a positive and constructive way. I feel like that is what I feel like my purpose is. Cause when we talk about purpose, it's like purpose is such a, a it's like a dramatic word yeah. because you think <laughs> yes. purpose, it's like your purpose for living, like your purpose for doing your why. Um, so that's why I don't think for me, it's this one singular thing. Um, I do think that I'm, really motivated by by certain themes that kind of tie a lot of my things together like I am really passionate about empowering other people even that word empowering like empowerment that's such a broad term like these are just like fluffy terms that are thrown around so for being specific like being um, the mentor that I didn't have to other people encouraging people to believe in themselves Um, because I've been that person who didn't believe in myself in the past, you know? So it's like, there are certain things like that, that I'm like, oh, I feel really passionate about. So regardless of what I do uh, or what ventures I pursue, there's like that type of theme pushing it. Um, And so I guess that is kind of also what I feel like part of my purpose is, is to empower other people, regardless of what uh, avenue I do, Mm -hmm. or I, I, um, yeah, I pursue to to do that so mm-hmm. kind of a long-winded answer but I guess that's that's my feeling towards that word right now yeah I think um there there's like two parts to it there's like the way that you feel that your gifts are and then there's like that like translation within the impact and I feel like <laughs> it also takes some amount of like understanding that your impact might not align with your you know purpose Mm -hmm. right so like I feel like that's like a two-part thing Um, yeah how do you this is going off on like a tangent but we'll go back to the other question Um, but like how do you I guess like make sure that your impact kind of aligns with your gifts um how do I make sure that my impact aligns with my gifts that's hard because impact is also two-sided it's like what you intend to do and then what other people experience yeah um so I would say you don't really have control sometimes over the impact you have over people but it is your responsibility to be as intentional about it as possible for example like 
you can give a lot of love to someone who's an encouragement to someone who's not necessarily ready to receive it. You know, you can, you can try to mentor and guide someone towards a certain area, but I've always said like, you can't want something for someone more than they want it for themselves. So um, I don't know, that's a really, really tricky question in terms of like how to align your impact with like your purpose or your intention you can't really all you can do is be intentional and like continue to learn about how to communicate how to be effective in your delivery of these things Um, but you can't always control how people will be impacted by you Mm -hmm. but I think as long as like your intentions are pure that is the most important thing because people can say oh I want to empower others by teaching and then they teach class and it's like all about themselves Right. So I think it's the efficacy and the true honesty uh, that like you are preparing your intention to be truly impactful for the people that you are serving versus like serving yourself and just saying like, I'm doing it for this, but it's not really aligned with how you're delivering it. I mean, like there was a moment, a really distinct moment in my like when I was really teaching and traveling like constantly and I, I was kind of in the thick of it where I felt really lost. Cause I remember being at this camp, I won't say where or what, but I was at this camp and there were a bunch of like really famous choreographers on the lineup. And I felt like I really care about teaching and providing like a great learning environment for students. And then at the end of the class, it's like all the students wanted were like photos. Yeah with um, like the famous choreographers, which is fine. Like nothing is wrong with that, but it just felt like no one cared about class. It felt like no one cared about learning. Like the students didn't care. And so that was one of those moments where I was just like, what's the point? Cause I'm here to teach. I'm not here to be quote unquote, like celebrity or like a, that's not my passion. <laughs> like that's not, I'm, I don't know. Like I appreciate like when people do come up to me and they support me and show love. Like, of course I'll always be so amazed and, and grateful for that. But when like, that's all they care about versus like the class, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think that was where I was like, this is the, I'm trying to make this impact, but like, it's not really being, it doesn't feel mm-hmm. like the class culture nowadays. It just feels like they don't care. Like it's, it's not about that. It's about them getting like a photo for Instagram to just like say they were there yeah. type of thing. So I feel like I'm going on a completely different <laughs> tangent okay. now. I don't even know if I answered your question. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think you did with like an example. And I guess like when, you know, when that impact is almost not what you would expect and it's yeah. like, it's like this feeling of like, oh, I have to let this go to some extent. Mm-hmm. But then I feel like maybe that, you know, like that, that specific environment wasn't it for you. And then did you like pivot and then like find another place where your, you know, intention aligned with your impact, you know? Um, I think that was a learning moment for sure. Okay. I, I caused me to deep dive in myself and like another, I've gone through so many periods of soul searching, like <laughs> every phase of my life, every few years, honestly. But um, <laughs> I think it just made me reevaluate. Like it helped me not get sucked into that culture that like a lot of dance class was gravitating towards where it's like very like teacher centric performing it's all about like the performance at the end and I just had to focus on the students it's easy for me to to see like to make generalizations but um, also just focus on the students who are there to truly learn and who do care about like the quality of education um, and not just like the hype of it all so I think it it, yeah I I just had to to soul search and, and just remind myself like why am I in this career or this line of work is this like fulfilling for me still and just focus on the students who are interested in receiving what I have to offer and um, trusting that like, that's enough, you know, like you're not going to get to everyone. Not everyone is going to be interested in what you have to offer. Even if you're really passionate, even if you're super intentional, even if you're very aligned with your purpose, that's not going to reach everyone. Not everyone's going to care because everyone has like and and rightfully so because everyone individually has to find the things that they resonate with and that feel empowering and fun and whatever for them and 
one person can't be that for everyone. So I think it was just learning that too. And just like, okay, well, I can teach in the way and, and instill the values I care about. And that will reach the students that it's meant to reach. And that's enough for me. That makes sense. That's helpful. <laughs> um, okay. Going back to that, like leadership piece. Cause I like, oh, I'm yes. really curious about it. Um, do you feel like, I guess, like, do you feel like within your purpose, like if that was like something that you wanted to be, you know? Yes. Yes. I was, I don't want to say I was born a leader, but I feel like a lot of qualities that I have developed through my life are very in line with like someone who would be in a leadership position. I was class president my like whole life. So I was my middle school ASB president, um, freshman class president, sophomore class president, junior class president, senior class president. Um, Like team captain of like basketball teams. Like I was just always, even like school group projects, like the group project leader, like, oh, give me all your stuff. I'll I'll, um, you know, consolidate mm-hmm. everything and, and turn it in. Like, I always have liked that position of, mm-hmm. of kind of taking that initiative. Um, I think I just like trust myself to do a really, I'm really hardworking and I've just always trusted myself to do a good job at things. Um, and I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't really know where that came from because I'm a middle child. I feel like naturally the oldest child is like the person who takes initiative as the leader I'm the middle child so I don't know really where that came from that quality that felt kind of natural or inherent in my just personality but yeah that's always been me so I think it's it was shocking just going through life and not being not feeling as like respected or as obvious of a choice as like the leader in a room because of maybe my appearance um mm-hmm. because in my mind and in my body I'm like no I'm for sure qualified mm-hmm. for this I should be the leader mm-hmm. in here but there have been you know rooms and spaces where I've had to work towards that improve myself like many people have to do which is you know completely fine as well but yeah no I've always felt like mm-hmm. like a leader <clears throat> and then like I guess you know because we are in that in those rooms where you know people make us doubt ourselves because of our appearance or like our gender or like our ethnicity um Mm -hmm. how do you how do you push past that like doubt that comes with being the minority at the table you know okay this is a great question because on the one hand I will say I never so even though I feel like I'm a strong leader like I have strong leadership qualities Uh I don't walk into spaces and say like for example like a new space a space I've just entered say like just joined a dance team okay um and would say like I deserve to be leader right now like because I do think that things need to be earned to an extent um so Mm. I always like humbled myself and focused on the work like and and on my role like how can I Cause not every space you walk into or you join, even if you feel like you're a strong leader needs another leader. So it is important for you to understand your role in the spaces that you're entering. Are you entering as, for example, if we're talking in the context of dance, are you entering as a dancer? Are you entering as a choreographer? Are you entering as a director? If you're entering as in the role of a dancer and there are already leaders of the group, it is not up to you to stress out about you being a leader in that space. It is okay, even if you are a great leader, to be a student in certain spaces. Because you, if you want to be a good leader, you better be a good student. Mm-hmm. Because you have to be able to practice what you preach. And I think that the best leaders are the people who continue to be students, continue to be humble, continue to learn, um, and are just excellent at following like other leaders. Because then you can, you're exhibiting the qualities that you are hoping that other people exhibit when you are leading them. So, um, <clears throat> oh my gosh, what was the question? I like lost myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> that first part with like trying, you know, like to be a leader. And then the second part of like being 
self-doubting or like there are moments I think there are also uh, moments where uh, yes. you do feel ready for that position or like you you know you are supposed to be like a leader but like it was yeah. not taken seriously because you know like maybe you're a woman or like you're Asian or like what whatever yeah have. I mean I always focused on the work I never thought even if I felt like I was capable I never said I like hmm especially when I was younger, maybe not so, not as much now that I've been doing this professionally for some time. But when I was younger, I just focused on the improvement. So, okay, Mm. they don't see me as ready to be in this position yet. Let me just get better. Even though, so I never, I feel like, and a lot of, I think a lot of women especially struggle with this. Like, I knew I was a strong, I've always known I'm a strong leader and capable of leading, but I didn't necessarily think that I deserved it or, and that I was ready. So until those opportunities were presented to me, I just focused on improving because work like skill and work and that, that stuff doesn't lie. Right. And at the end of the day, if people still don't see it, like someone else will, you know, and that's, a lot of times what happened to me where like people didn't give me opportunities until they saw other people give me opportunities. And then they were like, Oh, actually mm-hmm. they let you choreograph. Like mm, maybe you start choreographing um, and things like that. So, and then in, in, in a jet, in a more general sense, cause that's a very specific incident um, in terms of like people not believing in you as a leader based on how you look. I mean, there were moments in I mean I'll even say it like in GRV when I did start choreographing first of all it took me four four years as a dancer I was just a dancer on GRV for at least maybe five four to five years before I was given an opportunity to choreograph um and you know honestly like I didn't think I was ready so I I really wanted to focus on developing myself as a choreographer before having the the privilege to to set my own work on them but um even when I was leading rehearsal like staging my piece or teaching my piece like I definitely there were definitely instances where I didn't feel respected by all the dancers in the room Mm -hmm. um because it's just like why should we listen to this girl Mm -hmm. even though I had been like a dancing on GRV for like a, a, a good few years by then and had already kind of started to make my mark and establish my mark on the team as a dancer mm-hmm. it was like as a leader like you know there were still people who didn't want to listen to me um because I I, I don't want to say why exactly but I think that there, there are definite assumptions that can be made as to why you know people are quiet when male choreographers speak and they listen to them and they work hard but when I ask people to do the same thing like they don't they don't want to, you know, so there's definitely like areas of uh, investigation to be had there. But I think that you and I can both make pretty accurate assumptions as to why people struggle to to respect female leaders <laughs> as much as they do male leaders. Did, did it did it bother you at the time? <laughs> of course, it was so obvious. And it's just yeah. like, just listen or just I remember my last performance with GRV like I was like begging the people in my piece like I I remember like breaking down in tears in front of them and just like please just like work hard like if I say full out just do full out like can you there were people in the back like dragging their feet like not you know really caring about being there and not really like respecting me fully and it was super obvious and I just like cried in front of them and I was like this is like my final performance you know can we can we just, just try a little, like, can you care a little? Mm -hmm. Um, So even going through things like that, where it's just like, you don't act, they didn't act like that when Bam was choreographing. Why are you acting like that when I am, you know? So um, yeah, just little instances like that. But how do you, (laughs) how do you, you know, after like breaking down (laughs) and like crying, like, how do you, how, what, helped you get back up or like you know because something I I feel like I always lose myself in is like I'm gonna change this team's culture because like I know like I know there's no like inherent biases in there um but I also feel like 
yeah, there's, there's only so many things you can help. Um, but also like, yeah, I guess like, how do you decide what to do after being knocked down in that way? Mm. You just gotta keep going. (laughs) It's not like I could be like, I quit. I'm not going to do it. It's just kind of like, oftentimes in environment not always because sometimes everyone sucks but oftentimes it's like the energy of a very small minority Mm -hmm. like making you feel bad and so it's important to focus on the majority of people who are listening to you are respecting you do care about what you have to say and not let like the one or two in the room get to you and their egos get to you so I think that's part of it and when I think back on that time I'm like yeah that was rough it wasn't like a great last experience mm-hmm. um but I definitely grappled with that like the whole time that I was there as a leader where I just like didn't always feel as respected as the male choreographers there um but you know you got to keep going you got to just like do focus on the work focus on the task at hand and do the best job you can do regardless. That's really like all I could do. Mm-hmm. And then I peaced out. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, nothing was like Something that you're, you've mentioned a lot is like feeling ready to like do the things that you do. How do you know you're ready and like, I can like specifically like with your, I was watching your um, mini like thing for Vessel and you like, you said that like you finally felt ready to, you know, start your own company. What, what contributed to that? <laughs> um, oh, okay. So the, the feel or the topic of feeling ready is, I feel like we could talk about this in an entirely a different episode like I could talk about this for a long time because readiness and imposter syndrome go hand in hand and like the feeling of being ready and prepared first like answering your question directly what made me feel ready to start my own company I have been dancing for a long time teaching for a long time choreographing for a long time leading for a long time uh around the world have directed like overseas directed like pieces and performances um just never had the opportunity to do that locally like here you know it's almost like I feel more respected overseas when I travel than like in my own local community sometimes I just never was like in a position where I was asked to like be a team leader or director like you know I just had to kind of find a uh, had to kind of find and carve my own path of like let me start teaching um let me keep like developing this craft and see where it takes me and then it took me to basically all around the world and yeah so I've been in that position and then I've always thought like it's so great that I get to do this like in Singapore it's great I get to do this in Japan and Australia but like I want to do it at home like I want to do it where I am locally with my own community and so um, I definitely have transitioned to I'm in a new phase of my career where like I don't want to travel as regularly as I used to mm-hmm. I became completely exhausted and I'm a little burnt out uh, in that realm of my career and I want to do more and I want to build more locally and so I think that's why um, I don't know I, I feel like I have a strong vision I feel like I understand what it means to like create and maintain a safe space. Um, I feel emotionally mature enough to be able to hold space for people in a way that I may not have been as effective at doing five years ago. Um, I feel clearer in just who I am as a human being and how I want to use dance moving forward. And I think that all of those things kind of contribute to me feeling really ready to just have my own company and to to push forward with people. I've also been just like so solo for my whole career. And I feel like my dream has evolved. Like in the past decade, it's been about me. It's been survival and 
after that, like saving for myself and building my own dreams. And mm. my, I feel like my dream has expanded the past couple of years where I want my dream to include other people. Like I want to bring people I care about up with me, you know? And yeah. yeah. So all of those things, I'm so ready and I'm super organized. I think that's yes. a huge part of it. It's like my professionalism and my organization are a huge part of what contributes to like the way that I lead and the way that I execute projects and things that I care about. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I know you said you didn't want to go into it, but I, I kind of do because <laughs> I feel like I, sh- I struggle a lot with like feeling ready for something um, and that like imposter syndrome kind of way. And I just wanted to like kind of know like what was that process like? For me, horrible. I did not <laughs> believe in myself. Like, through my 20s like I um my teaching career took off when I was around 21 22 and I was like regularly in that hyper speed teaching traveling circuit for from like the age 21 22 to 28 29 and pretty much until the pandemic and um I never thought I I, everywhere I went I was like I'm not good enough everywhere I went I felt like I had to prove myself everywhere I went I felt like I was the weakest person on the lineup or the worst dancer or even taking like whether I was teaching I felt like the I always felt like the least or the less or the worst or whatever like I just never felt good enough that was that feeling of not being good enough not being there yet not being fully deserving not being fully on everyone else's level of who I was around that followed me through my whole, the bulk of my career. It really shifted, I think, this past year, mm-hmm. which has helped me grow into my purpose and just my intention behind what I do is like, my goal in life is not to be the most impressive or skilled dancer. It's not what I feel passionate about. If I did, then I would be waking up at 5 a.m. every morning to train physically. And I don't have that desire. Mm -hmm. So my the way that I measure myself and what I have to offer the world shouldn't be based on my skill. I've already put in I've danced for like 15 at least years now. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm experienced like I (laughs) I've trained in so many styles under some of literally like the best in the world, some of the founders of styles. Like, so at this point, I know that I know enough and I know that I am experienced enough to offer quality and to, to give back mm-hmm. in what I've learned, but I don't need to measure myself based on like how good of a dancer am I or how cool of is my, is my choreography good enough or impressive enough? Like my value is with what the training I have, with the knowledge and skills that I have, what can I offer? Like what impact can I make? Or beyond dance, who I am as a person, like the things that I feel passionate about, the things I care about, the things I offer because of the unique combination of who I am, like my business background, my teaching ability, Mm -hmm. all these things my life experience that I can share with others like what offering can I give and contribution can I give to the world based on like the very unique combination of who I am that only I can provide to this world so I think shifting it from how am I what am I using to judge myself like what am I using to value myself and how worthy I am of being here Mm -hmm. it was put on something that I don't even care about that much And that's why it feels like this empty rat race of like, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. It's like, if you judge yourself like that, you'll never be good enough because there's always something that you can improve on. And there's always someone that's going to be better at you in something in dance. So if I'm like, damn, I'm not good enough because I can't do like 30 backflips like this person can do. Well, like doing 30 backflips is completely irrelevant to the impact that I want to make in this world. So I don't need to judge myself so harshly, even like taking class. I, I never felt like 
the strongest like class taker, put a camera in my face in groups, it's over. I'm going to freeze. I can't do it. I, I will freak out. Like, so at a certain point, like when that became such an emphasis of like how you do in other people's classes and getting class footage. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not good at that. Like, I can't keep up. It was like, oh my God, I can't even dance. Like, I can't, yeah. I'm not even good enough to be here. Like, oh my gosh. And then it was just like, I don't, my passion is not to be like a great class taker. It's not to like mm. kill it on camera for it for Instagram like that's not my passion that's not part of the contribution that I feel like I want to make to this world my lane is something different so I think it's just focusing on like what you have prepared for what you have trained in what you can offer with the level of training education knowledge that you have okay this is what I have how do I honor that and how do I now um, give back and contribute make my contribution with what I have versus I can't do that yet I can't do that yet. I'm not as good as that person it's like all so irrelevant so I think that shift really really helped me because otherwise I would still be in that mindset of I'm not good enough I'm not good enough and now I can just like appreciate what I have worked for <laughs> and then use that to now like fully fully give back yeah I will also I want to give one more quote that has really helped me uh -huh. um it's something Michelle Obama shared. She said something along the lines of she's been in so many rooms full of the most powerful people, mm. whether it's, you know, corporations, politicians, world leaders, nonprofits, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And she basically said that she's met all these powerful leaders and important people in these rooms that all have a seat at the table. And the truth is that a lot of them aren't that smart. <laughs> and that has really, really helped me because I think when it comes to imposter syndrome, specifically for women, we, because of all the constructs that we're, you know, we see and we're raised hearing, we just think like, we're not smart enough or we're not confident enough. We're not skilled enough. We're not good enough at public speaking. We're not natural. We're not good enough at leading. We're not, you know, we're too emotional. No, no. Like whatever lies are told to us that make us feel like we're not as capable or qualified as your typical white male leader. Mm -hmm. um, it's nice to hear that, you know, she's been in all those spaces and she's like, actually, they're not, <laughs> they're not that smart. So it's not because the reason why you don't see more diversity at the table is not because more diverse people aren't smart enough or capable enough. Mm -hmm. It's truly just because of all of these oppressive systems <laughs> at work that are keeping only certain people in positions of power, regardless of them being capable. I think it's reminding yourself that there are a lot of people in power who are not that capable while you're stressing about not being capable enough to hold that position of power. So I think it's giving yourself permission to hold those positions, to rise to those levels and trusting yourself that like, there's no reason why, even if maybe you're not ready, maybe you need more experience because that is a real part of this discussion too. You can't just be inexperienced and be like, I deserve a seat. It's like, mm, you do need a certain level of, a certain level of um, mm. experience, but it is up to you to seat yourself sometimes or to build your table or to just give yourself that permission of like, maybe I'm not hundred percent ready, but I am a hard work. I'm hardworking enough and smart enough to become ready by doing the work and by putting myself there. Yeah. Cause that's like essentially how everyone gets skilled enough is by taking that next step to like, just go for it and just to do it. Mm -hmm. Cause if you wait until you feel ready, you will never, you'll never do it. <laughs> yeah. I um I love the way you like phrase the give yourself permission like you said that yesterday too and I was just like whoa like <laughs> that's something I'll sit on for a long time one two more things and then like yeah. the rapid fire questions um why I think like you kind of touched on it but like why why dancing like why is dance your vessel right like that's something I've been wondering like you 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 seem very capable of doing literally everything <laughs> so like why dancing uh Dance is the thing I feel most drawn to. Mm. Like it feels like I enjoy it the most. Cause like I grew up before, even before sports, like I grew up singing because my dad is a singer and a musician. I grew mm. up, that was my first, I don't even know if it's a passion, but that was like the first thing I did 
like my first extracurricular, I guess. And then, you know, dabbled in sports, like have a business background. Yeah. I'm interested in a lot of things, but dance is like what I choose to continue to do out of like my enjoyment of it. I won't even say love because I feel like love is a, sometimes it's like a fluctuating feeling. Um, I mean, I obviously do love dance, but Mm. I just enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to engage in the things that you enjoy in life. If it's collecting buttons or, you know, gardening or producing music, I I don't know, like literally anything, like you have to find the things that you genuinely enjoy. Um, So for me, that's it. I think dance is my vessel because I keep going back to it. It's, it feels like a, for me, one of the most, probably the most empowering form of expression that I do have, because it allows me to break out of a lot of the confines of society or Mm -hmm. the limitations that I feel like are externally placed on me, but don't internally reflect how I feel. And dance gives me that opportunity to break out of it because art has this undeniable like quality to it mm-hmm. um so yeah wait something you said in passing but like what is the difference between like enjoying and then like loving oh that's a great question just my my outlook because I'm sure many people have different philosophies on this but love is work I feel like I learned this through my relationship actually. Um, and it, it translates to dance. Love is work. Love is something that you can't always control. Like you feel it and it's a part, it becomes like a part of you. Like if you love another person, it, it's just a part of who you are, you know, like almost a part of your identity. Like you love this or that person, or you love this craft. It also means that it's good and bad. Like there are good parts of that love and and ugly parts of that love. And it's up to you to work to maintain your relationship with that thing. So when it comes to dance, it's like, first of all, I don't know if everyone who dances loves dance because to love dance means to fight for it and to work for it even when it gets hard. I think a lot of people like dance. I think a lot of people think dance is fun, but I think loving dance is a whole other thing and I think that the people who have longevity and stay in it are the people who truly love it because they were willing to work through all of the hardships and the inevitable struggles that come with it and even when it sucked kept going because they felt like working for that relationship was worth it because they truly love it so that's love Mm -hmm. in my opinion enjoying something is it's fun. It's pleasant. Mm. You're, you like the process. You like the, the active, like you just like doing it. So actually, like I would say (laughs) I enjoy dance, but I also hate it sometimes. Mm. Like I definitely, I have that dual relationship with it. I definitely do feel like I love dance because I've worked through so many patches of falling out of love with it and falling back in love with it. And then there's that conversation of loving something and being in love are two different things. In love is like infatuation. It's not as deep and loving something is like, even when you hate it, you still love it. So, well, we're getting real deep out Whoa. here. I don't know if I'm talking about dance or relationships anymore, but um, I think it's all, I think it's all translatable across different types of relationships, but yeah, I guess that's the difference. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> I was my brain has just went like <laughs> exploding. Um related. Um, but something, yeah, like dance as a relationship is something that I've been thinking about. And yesterday we were talking about like what makes you frustrated or like when you're choreoing. And if you're really frustrated and you like to act out towards your partner or like, you know, your friend like it doesn't want to like stay around right so then it's like you have to like kind of like communicate with like the music or like the dancing so like something that I've been thinking about a lot is like trying to stay open to that relationship rather than like holding on to control and like I have to create this like it has to be this certain way Mm -hmm. definitely I mean or even just the relationship you have with yourself Mm. 
because like you said I mean music and dance like they're intangible things but with yourself like if you're constantly beating yourself up you're not good enough like everything you're making is shit like what are you going to create you're putting yourself in that state of feeling crappy and then you're so limited creatively yeah so definitely yeah yeah okay mm-hmm. last question before I go into the rapid fire yeah. questions yeah. you mentioned in another rehearsal <laughs> that you feel like even though you danced the least last year you improved the most and like what what did you do to improve the most when it wasn't a physical thing it is so mental and it's so I think the word I think two words come to mind it's the word that we mentioned permission Mm. um to do whatever the hell you want to do to move your body however the hell you want to move it express yourself however you want and allow yourself to break out of boxes that you don't even realize you're putting around yourself because you feel like you need to stay within something for whatever reason that may be so I think and I think part of it also is just like me growing older like I'm 30 now like I'm fully just an adult woman you know I'm not like a young naive like young like adult anymore you know um I mean I'm still relatively young but yes you are (laughs) (laughs) but I think just yeah growing older and more mature and just like do just like doing whatever the hell I want that's a huge part of it um breaking out of I there there's still a lot of mental blocks I have in dance when it comes to Mm -hmm. truly feeling free like that freedom um of expression the freedom just like the you giving yourself fully to the moment. I think that is really hard to break through. Yeah. Um, but I think I have broken down. I've broken through some of those barriers over the past year. Definitely going through something as horrifying as 2020. It kind of brings you to that YOLO state of like, all right, I'm just going to do what I want because life is short and just we got to be grateful for the opportunities that we do have to dance so we might as well try to make the most of it and not limit ourselves so much so I think I've just kind of given myself even more permission to follow to just express and pursue the sides of my artistry that I've been very like shelled about in the past Mm. or just shy about or insecure about and yeah, I don't know. I've, my relationship in general with dance has just changed a lot over the past year. Like literally this time last year, I didn't even know if I wanted to keep dancing. I just like didn't feel in love, you know, like that infatuation, that like excitement to move and to get up and take class just completely didn't exist. So I was like, what does this mean? Do I need to change passions? Do I need to pivot? Do I need to think about how else to spend the rest of my life? Um, I was freaking out, but I just spent a lot of the past year reflecting on like, that relationship and how I can continue to use dance moving forward, how I can continue to train in a way that feels enriching and fulfilling for me, but I'm still working on it. I think it's a one thing people don't realize is that like your relationship to dance is ever changing as long as you continue to change and grow. So how you feel about it when you're 21 and what is important to you and what you're pursuing is going to look different as you progress through life. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, okay. One last thing. I honestly thing. don't know if that was even the like. It was, I, no, it totally was. What was the question? Um, like, what did you do to like improve? I huh. guess as a dancer. Um, but I feel like giving ourselves permission is such a unfamiliar, uncomfortable thing because, at least growing up, there wasn't a lot of spaces that gave me permission. So it's like now that I'm doing it it's like whoa this is really uncomfortable (laughs) a huge part of this permission is acknowledging the like the lies you've been told growing up that have been conditioned from other people's voices into your own voice to yourself dismantling that is huge of like I remember 
and like stupid comments I would get because GRV obviously like stylistically is really hard hitting. It's more on the masculine side of expression. Um, mm -hmm. And so I remember like when I would, we would have like banquets and I would then wear a dress, like people would be like, oh my gosh, Sora's a girl. Oh like, God. you know, things like, it's so playful. It's so harmless. Um, but it's just that like, people telling you how you should express yourself or what you're allowed to do or or limit you based on this and this and that or even like people making comments about like me dancing in a sports bra or like you know because I'm always in baggy clothes I'm like mm. I'm gonna do what I want you know but growing up when you're still your brain is still like it's more malleable you're you're so influenced by like how other people see you and it, you're not fully sure of who you are and you're just like absorbing everything it f's with your expression, just like your freedom of expression, like your freedom of exploring, you know, um, just everything, all parts of your identity and being able to express yourself in more masculine ways and more and feminine and all of it, like however you want, because you feel confined by people's expectations of you to only be one thing. Yeah. Um, so I think break, like me acknowledging, why do I feel limited here? Why do I feel shy using certain or moving my body in certain ways oh it's because of comments I've received in the past that where people were trying to confine me to their understanding of me but yeah. that's not who I am because there's so much more inside of me that I want to share yeah amazing thank you okay rapid fire question speed round so the first thing that comes to your mind um, okay okay what is the a moment that you think about that instantly brings you joy um getting proposed <laughs> to because i congrats. waited 13 years for this <laughs> that's yeah, so that wild i like want to ask eventually like how how but that's for another day um what is something in the future that you're currently excited about <laughs> kind of similar. probably same same vein um getting married do you have like you know like a whole plan set up already absolutely not <laughs> I think it's gonna be next year I mean we've been together for so long so I'm like ready to get married yesterday but um <laughs> yeah getting married eventually having kids hopefully that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, one piece of advice that you received that you really did not like. Stick to like I was told to that I should stick to one thing. Mm. Um, a lot of people actually gave me this advice, like whether it's just focus on dance or just focus on hard hitting mm. dancing. It's very limiting. It's just like based on like their life experience and what worked for them mm -hmm. which like it's great but that's not what works for you is not what will work for me because I'm a completely different person um mm -hmm. I was also told by a male choreographer really early in my career he like asked me like what makes you like what will make you stand out like what will be like your brand or like your shtick or whatever which is first of all a weird question and I said <laughs> oh I guess like I'm a you know a small girl like a, I'm super short and I'm super, I'm very powerful and hard hitting. And he was like, mm, no, that's like not enough. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, I think it is, but <laughs> okay, whatever. Okay, so. anyways. Um, <laughs> Eye roll. I was truly, <laughs> okay. What is one piece of advice that you received that really helped you or changed you? Oh, this is so hard. <laughs> Probably a lot. I but the first thing. Yeah, it's yeah. like when people ask what your favorite movie is and you're just like, uh, I don't know <laughs> any movies anymore. I don't know. I, I should I should know this, but I need to think about this. Um, okay. I mean, I remember one, like this is super generic, but like one time it was Ellen Kim. She just said like, do whatever the F you want. Like just, yeah, do what you want. And I was like, yes, okay, I'll do whatever. <laughs> And that, that's, I've always remembered that, but yeah, uh, I need to think about this because I'm sure I've gotten something so life-changing and profound that I need to like dig deep for. Okay. Well, if you know it, you can text it to me. Okay. <laughs> okay. And then lastly, anything you want to plug that's upcoming? Uh, no. <laughs> look at my calendar. Okay. Uh, not really. I mean, I have things just ongoing that are kind of 
sporadically placed. Okay. Uh, like my course, Artful Balance of Business and Dance, which you are an alumni of. Um, which you created this podcast after taking the class. Definitely. Um, and my merch, which is not is inactive right now. I'm preparing for a launch. It's not going to happen for like another couple months. And um, that's pretty much it. So no, nothing to plug. Okay. You know, just to plug in that everybody stay uh, protect your energy, protect your mental health, and go offline as much as you can enjoy life if you can when you can where you can how you can um that's yeah that's my plan yeah thank you <laughs> one of the most amazing wonderful thing about sora and there's a lot is just how genuine she is and how much she really is living in her purpose i just feel like she approaches everything with such kindness and grace and it's truly admirable and something that I will take away from this conversation is allowing myself to give myself the permission to be me and also realizing that love is work is a big one. Thank you so much for your time, Sora, and thank you so much for listening. I hope to catch you next week.